Yo, before we get into the episode, just a quick reminder of our scheduling update. This is the month that we're starting to release our Avatar Legends campaign. So today you're getting an Avatar Legends episode. Then next week, we're going to be going back to our Fate episode. And then the following week, back to Avatar and so forth. So first and third weeks, Fate. Second and fourth weeks, Avatar. Okay, simple enough. Let's get into the show. What's shaking, everybody? You're listening to ImpTab Avatar, the Avatar Legends RPG actual play where we make up almost everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Caleb Anderton. So excited to be here. McKenna Steele. Also excited to be here. And Christian Randall, the most excited to be here. How you like Ooh. that? Okay. <laughs> I was really hoping you would go with the opposite of not excited to be here. I am very <laughs> excited to be here. Oh. In case none of our audience has picked up on it yet, we're very excited to be recording this tonight. <laughs> yeah, we are. We have had this in the works for quite a while, and we finally got our hands on the final, well, almost final core rulebook. All the rules are final. I was still putting a couple finishing touches on it, but it's final enough that we can start getting into a long-term, full-scale campaign yes. that is going to go who knows how long. We're going to just play to find out. So, to kind of set the stage for what this campaign is going to look like, we're going to be picking up directly after the events that took place in our first Avatar one-shot called The Library Heist. So if you haven't listened to that yet, we'd recommend you go back and give that a listen so you have a sense of what we're working with moving into this campaign. But on the whole, this campaign is going to take place starting in Wanchitong's Spirit Library in the Siwang Desert, about a decade or so after the death of Avatar Roku. At this time, in our interpretation of the Avatar-verse, Wanchitong's library is still above the sands. It has not yet been sunken beneath. So we get to explore these ideas of what was Wan Tong's library like before he buried it, and how did Wan Tong and his library get to where they were when we first saw them in Avatar The Last Airbender. Now, I'm going to acknowledge just right off the bat that we may end up with some potential inconsistencies with Wan Tong's adventure guide, which isn't going to be released for a while. We know they're going to add more lore to that book, and we'll try to make sure that everything is as accurate as possible to that. But we may say something here at the beginning since we don't actually have the book yet that might not quite match up. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, guys. It's all good. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. But... Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, with that said, also, there are four more playbooks that are going to be released in that book. So you might see some of our playbooks change from what we're going to be telling you tonight. You might not. We'll just have to see what happens when we get that book. But before we get into introducing our characters, I just want to make one comment about, you know, the fact that our podcast name is Improv Tabletop. And so I want to just address, you know, how improvised is this compared to our fake campaigns? So those are 100% absolutely improvised. All of us come in completely blank slate. Nothing has been planned. With this, we have put in some preparation because we want to do justice to this wonderful world that we all love so much. But for the most part, it is going to be largely improvised. And a lot of that uh, is kind of on my plate as the keeper of this game. That's what they call the GM or Game Master in Avatar Legends is the keeper. Uh, it, this is kind of an interesting exercise in restraint for me as a GM because my general way that I go about things is to try and plan everything out as well as I possibly can from the beginning. And that's not how this game works. 
If you've had a chance to read through the core rulebook or even through the quick start, you've probably read the phrase, play to find out what happens. This is a phrase that you'll see in pretty much every Powered by the Apocalypse game. And the idea behind playing to find out what happens is we kind of set a groundwork of, okay, we know we're in this place, maybe here's a couple people and maybe here's what we know about them, but basically nothing beyond that is planned. So I have some locations that I know interesting stuff might be happening in. I know some interesting people who might be in those locations. But aside from that, this entire story is going to be directed by what the players want to do. They're going to get to choose where they go next, and I get to respond to that as the GM, which is a little bit frightening, <laughs> but also very cool because we're going to create a story that is going to be so much more rich than anything I could put together just by myself. So this is a mostly improvised campaign uh, with a little bit of preparation going into it. If anybody is up to the task, it's you, Ned. <laughs> oh, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Because if Mike DiMartino or Brian Konetsko, the creators of Avatar, end up listening to this, I really want to impress them because <laughs> they have changed my life. We just found the principle that Ned is trying to live up to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, now let's get started with introducing our characters. So let's start with Christian, and we'll just kind of go around the table from there. So to get us started off, just tell us, you know, what's your character's name, describe their appearance a little bit, what their training is, and uh, we'll move on from there. Absolutely, yeah. I will be playing an airbender. Uh, this is pre-Aang, so the airbenders are still around. Um, I'm going to be playing the playbook that is the pillar. So the two things I'm going to be kind of going back and forth between are going to be support and leadership. So those are the two things I'm going to try and focus on and balance between. My character's name is Jetsun. I'm an older gentleman, pushing 80, uh, maybe early 70s, depending on how spry I'm feeling. <laughs> Definitely aged, though. I've got my glider. I do use it often as a walking stick, leaning over hunched. Uh, you don't really see me stand up straight unless combat calls for it. I've got a nice ring of frazzled white hair, but I'm bald on top, and you can see my arrow displayed prominently on my bald head. <laughs> I can't see it unless I'm wearing my very thick, very round bifocals, my, my spectacles I need to see. I'm here at the library and uh, excited to see what we discover together. Nice. And one more quick note about your character's appearance. Uh, you'd mentioned to me that you don't so much wear your air nomad robes anymore. You wear kind of the uniform of Wanchi Tong's library. And what that looks like is it's pretty simple. It is kind of a poncho that you can wear over what else you choose uh, that's kind of pointed down in the front and the back. And it is a dark gray with kind of a greenish tint, very similar to the color of Wan Tong's feathers. On the front of the poncho, embroidered in silver thread, is a pair of wings folded across the front of the poncho with the tips of the wings down at the tip of the point. And on the back, in white, is the pair of eyes that you see on the back of Wan Tong's head. That is so cool. Cool. <laughs> 
I love that. I am so glad that that's what I'm wearing. <laughs> and the way that this uniform came about, Wan Chi Tong himself isn't actually necessarily the hugest fan of it. He thinks it's a little ostentatious, maybe a little bit <laughs> self-aggrandizing. So he wasn't the one who instituted this uniform. It was actually created by one of the people who works at the library, one of his knowledge seekers, a woman named Xin Lai, who is his personal assistant. And she was like, Wan Chi Tong, you're so great. We're going to make our uniforms and are going to look like you. And Wan Chi Tong's just like, okay, whatever, just whatever, whatever, have fun. <laughs> so uh, you are wearing this poncho over maybe some vestiges of your old air nomad robes that you wore when you came from the Northern Air Temple. But yeah, that's what Jetsun looks like. Is there anything about your background or your history that you'd like to mention to the group here? Yeah, I am an older man, as I mentioned, and so I've got a lot of history. Um, I am living my life now, trying to balance these two ideas of support and leadership, uh, but they are vestiges from my earlier, younger days. I wasn't always the most level-headed. And so I've, I've got a past, and I'm not necessarily running from it, but it's definitely something that I will have to address at some point. All right. So before we get into, like, the sort of connections between these characters, let's figure out who our other characters are first. Let's go over to McKenna. That's a me. Who is your character? What do they look like? What's their training? So my character, her name is Zaya. Which, now that I'm thinking about it, my last character for this campaign was Taya. <laughs> and I'm just making this connection now, but I like it. So, um, she is a waterbender from one of the smaller villages in the Southern Water Tribe, who has come here originally was to seek out the members of a group that I think a while ago had ventured out from the Southern Water Tribe and were never heard from again, which, unbeknownst to her at this time, would be the waterbenders in the swamps. You can check that out on the Southern Water Tribe wiki, shout out. Um, or just, I mean, just the Avatar wiki, but like under the, you know, you follow. Anyways, so that's kind of what brought her here. But um, she is like mid 20s, 23. She's got long black hair, but her mother, her hair grayed very fast. And so did her father's. So she is not blessed with the greatest of genes in regards to hair. So she has a pretty thick white strip coming out the bottom of her hair and quite a few little gray patches throughout. So she looks young, but her hair would make you think twice. Um, she is average height for a female, like five, is that like five, seven, five, six, five, seven? You wouldn't know. I don't know. I'm five eleven. <laughs> I am not an average height for a female. <laughs> Anyways. And so she's, since she's always been kind of in the colder climates of the Southern Water Tribe, being out in the desert at Wanchi Tongs, she has been exposed to the sun a little bit more. So she's got some sunburnt skin. And her eyes are this light purple gray color. On her left hand, she has a very minimal or fine lined tattoo of essentially picture the end of the princess and the frog when the two stars are up in the sky and they kind of like blink and it looks like they're holding hands. It's like the North Star, then like the second star to the right. Anyway, so it's basically that on her hand and it's to remind her of her brother since they were very close. And so she's got that on her hand. 
And um, she has a white hamster. That is correct. <laughs> oh, and also she has a fanny pack or for other people, a bum bag uh, that she wears that has openings on either side that she, it's basically a water skin um, where she pulls water from. Yeah, she has a little white hamster um, named Marmar, and he's so cute. <laughs> Anyways, but just some of her history, her dad's a waterbender, so she learned a lot from him, and all growing up, she was always about learning, and she was like, yeah, this waterbending's cool and whatnot, and he was very adamant about, like, let's get your training done, like, you need to be awesome. But she was more about, oh, I want to go read this book. Oh, I really want to learn this history of this. Oh, let me read about this. She just has a massive hunger for learning, which is what brought her, obviously, to find that lost group. But she has continued to stay here and not return home because of that hunger she has for learning and just wanting to know everything about the world she's in and the people that exist within that world. Yeah, the Southern Water Tribe always being kind of a little bit less advanced than the Northern Water Tribe, don't necessarily have the best written history. So what better place to go than Wanshi Tong's library where you can find pretty much everything. Yeah, I think that's I think that's about all I feel like I need to share. Nice. And what I'm most excited about is I get to be Marmar. <gasps> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> This is going to be lots of fun. And then our final character, Caleb, who are you? What does your character look like? Uh, What is their training and their demeanor? Okay, you guys. (laughs) I'm very excited about this. I have been very excited about this full campaign for a very long time now. And as Ned had mentioned in like our little break during our library heist one shot, I originally wanted to do like a chi blocker type of character. And after we had recorded our one shot, later on I sat down to create that character and I I just wasn't feeling it. I was having a very hard time because I had absolutely fallen in love with the character that I made for the one shot we did with Amaru Kami and Fifi. So I called Ned up and talked with him. We talked for a few hours and (laughs) had him do some uh, narrative backflips for me (laughs) to get this guy into the main story. Because we originally, obviously, like, he was a villain and going to be a villain, you know, one of the main antagonists in this campaign that we're currently doing. Yeah, we had kind of this idea of if we end up doing the full campaign, then the big goal is to be, hey, let's get this information back that they stole from the library. These are going to be the three villains we need to capture. So bringing in one of those people who was going to be a villain, uh, narrative backflips, I guess, is a decent term for it. (laughs) But we, we figured out something that I think you guys will be satisfied with. I think so too. And so I am very excited and very happy to be bringing back Amar for this campaign. So... He is a firebender. He is about 35 years old, mid-30s. He has dark brown hair, just very spiky and messy on the top of his head. Kind of that wind-blown look from riding his motorcycle Fifi around. And then the sideburns go down into a big old extravagant mustache. Heavy stubble on the rest of his face, but uh, not quite a full beard, just the sideburn mustache combo. 
um, along with the windswept hair. And he uh, is usually found wearing a dark red um, sort of mechanics jumpsuit with, you know, pockets all over, grease stained. He's got greasy rags sticking out of his pockets. Lots of things in that regard. And um, as far as his training goes, he comes from the Ukami family, which are inventors. So he's sort of a welder. That's how he created Fifi, his motorcycle. And that's where he comes from in his family. But uh, so last time I was playing the successor playbook, I've changed that up a little bit. Now, because of a lot of the stuff that has changed in Amar's life at this point, I'm going to be playing the Rogue playbook. Yeah, and I think just to kind of set some expectations as far as why these changes are happening. Now, when I say the word amnesia, some people in our audience are probably (laughs) going to be like, that's a cop-out. You can't just give somebody amnesia and say that they're a different person. But I, I know that you're probably thinking that, don't worry, we've justified it. I have a good reason for why this amnesia has happened. And Caleb, I think you, with some of your inspiration for Amar, also have some good inspiration for why he has amnesia. Yeah, um, we don't need to go into all of it, but uh, if any of you have read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, that was that was a book that I read and took a lot of inspiration from for this campaign and this character, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, so he's going to be the rogue. He is still a firebender. Maybe a lot of his technology stuff has been forgotten due to his amnesia at this point. But he still has that uh, short, concentrated, precise streams of fire bending as if, you know, a welding torch were being used and things like that. So I'm excited for that. What am I missing? I know I'm missing stuff. What else do I need to talk about with him? Uh, Anything else? Well, I guess... I was about to ask if there was anything else from your history that you wanted to share, but Amar doesn't remember much of his history at this point in the campaign. <laughs> Got it. He does not. Um, we can go in a little bit more for the listeners, though, with uh, obviously, especially in the closing beats of the one shot that we did, Amar has been a bit of an agent for Fire Lord Sozin doing some things that he might not necessarily be too proud of. And this is going to be a chance for him to sort of get away from his past, but I feel like his past is going to be chasing him in a way. So, yeah, I'm just very excited to see the dynamics of that and how this plays out and see if Amar can find some of the redemption that he is looking for. Indeed. Yes, McKenna. I'm playing the idealist. I forgot to mention that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Sorry. Caleb said his, and then I looked at mine, and I was like, man, I had a whole thing I was preparing to say about my idealist, and it just went right out of my brain. And then I sat there, I was like, yeah, that's about right for me. Well, would you like to share it with us now? Yes, but I forgot half of it, so I'll share what I remember. So on the idealist sheet, your balance is between forgiveness and action. And so there's that kind of trying to find the balance of moving forward and forgiving herself for things from her past. And I don't know how to work action in there. See, that's probably why I forgot it because it actually wasn't fully fleshed out. (laughs) No worries. That's part of this game is it encourages you to discover things as you go. And, you know, that's how real life is. You don't come into life knowing who you are and what all of your motivations are. You discover them as you go. Wouldn't that be cool, though? (laughs) (laughs) So now we get to kind of figure out how all of these characters fit together. And we've got uh, kind of a little bit of a black sheep in this situation where Zaya and Jetsun have been working for Wanchi Tong for a while, and Amar just kind of stumbled his way into this situation. So the two of you have been co-workers for a while at this point. 
and we're going to have to figure out how Amar fits into that and we'll see that happen in our first actual session where we start playing as these characters. But for now, uh, I want to take us through the campaign creation sheet. In the core rulebook, they have the sheet laid out where you can figure out what era do you want to play in, what is going to be the focus of this campaign, and build the campaign from scratch. Uh, we've taken maybe a little bit of a backwards approach with this, where we already had a lot of the concept of the campaign fleshed out before this point, but I just want to go through and show you what it's like to go through this campaign creation sheet so that when you are creating your own campaigns, you have an idea of how it works. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to choose which era we're playing in. And there are five eras, one for each of the four most recent avatars, Kyoshi, Roku, Aang, and Korra, and then one for the Hundred Year War when Aang was trapped in the iceberg. And we are playing in the Hundred Year War era. Aang is not technically trapped in the iceberg yet, though. He's around 10 years old at this time, right? Correct, yes. So we haven't technically begun the Hundred Year War yet, but we're still within that phase of we're not in Roku's era uh, and we're not quite in Aang's era yet because he's not the Avatar yet per se. Uh, so that puts us in the Hundred Year War. Cool. Now, the next thing that we choose is the scope of the campaign, which is how broad ranging do we want this campaign to be? Do we want to focus it in just one very specific area or region, or do we want to expand it across the entire Four Nations? I like the idea of doing the Four Nations. I feel, especially since we are all coming from different nations already, I feel like that opens yeah. a lot of opportunity for us to explore things about our history and our past that if we stay a little too focused, like just in the desert or just in the Earth Kingdom, we might not have access to. Well, and along with that, I feel, I mean, we are the knowledge seekers in Wan Chitong's library. I feel that limiting ourselves to just these certain areas limits the knowledge. Yeah, and definitely like the purpose of Wan Chitong's library, he created the library to collect as much knowledge as he could to share it with humanity for their betterment. So obviously you guys being knowledge seekers, you're going to be going to all corners of the globe trying to find as much knowledge as you can to bring back to the library. Mm -hmm. I like it. Very nice. So now that we've got our era and our scope, the next thing we choose is a focus. And they give us six different options that are kind of a jumping off point for what is the main purpose of this campaign, why have our companions banded together, and what is the goal they're trying to accomplish. A few of these options are to defeat a villain, to protect something, to change something, to deliver something, to rescue something, or to learn something. And based on what we've established in the library heist, I think the focus of this campaign is going to be to rescue the information that was stolen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the details of that focus, just to really quickly summarize what happened, even though you obviously went back and listened to the library heist before listening to this episode, we had three individuals who came to Wanchi Tong's library looking for information about the Avatar, all of them with maybe some duplicitous reasons for doing so. And they broke in during the middle of the night, stole some crucial information about the Avatar cycle and about the Air Nomads, and went running off into the desert with it. So the focus is to find those people and to find the information they stole, bring it back to the library, and ideally figure out why they stole it in the first place. Okay, now the next thing that we're going to look at is allies and enemies. And these are just some of the key players we're going to be looking at. As far as allies go, obviously we've got Wang Shitong, your boss, he who knows 10,000 things, the spirit of knowledge who owns the library where you work. So he's your primary ally here, and we have a couple other allies that we've already established. 
One, who I already mentioned earlier in this episode, is Xin Lai. She is Wan Tong's personal assistant. Uh, she is kind of a very charming individual who's got a lot of knowledge and a lot of energy that she brings to the library. And then two people that we established in the library heist episode are the two main guards who watch the entrance to Wan Tong's library. Those are Yung Tan. He is a very level-headed person and he likes to try and keep order at the library. And then his companion is Zhang Tao, uh, <laughs> who is maybe a bit more zealous than Yung Tan is. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that snort in my nightmares. <laughs> Yeah, as we learned in that one shot, his whole shtick is he wants to make Wan Tong proud. Uh, his parents left him there in exchange for some recipes that they brought back to their restaurant. Um, <laughs> I forgot! <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So these are our allies. We've got Wan Tong, Xin Lai, Zhang Tao, and Yung Tan. And we might meet some other people who work there at the library as we go forward. But those are the ones that we know of currently. And as far as enemies go, we've got Taya and Rokin, who were the former characters that McKenna and Christian played. Taya is an earthbender who we really don't know very much about at all, honestly. Uh, She's got a very mysterious past. And then Rokin Maruto is a member of the Maruto crime family from the Northern Water Tribe. So these are the two main leads that we have as far as where are the Lost Scrolls, how do we get them back. And then the last thing that we're going to go over in this campaign creation worksheet is what's known as the inciting incident. When you're creating your campaign idea from scratch, the inciting incident is the event that took place when all of your characters met each other that brought this companionship together. And so we know why Amar is at the library. He bungled a heist and then he got captured and he's now in jail, essentially. And we're going to see more of the implications of that when we get into the first episode after this. But there is the question of, well, when Amar and the others were there stealing the information, where were Jetsun and Zaya? Well, they were out on a knowledge-seeking mission for Wan Tong, getting some knowledge to bring back. And so our inciting incident that we're going to fill out right now is what was the mission you guys were on that you are now returning back from. And they have it structured into three different acts. And so the first act, some of the options we're gonna get to choose from. Did you guys befriend an ally who gave you access to a valuable item? Did you discover a secret hidden by a powerful figure? Did you do something fun but draw the ire of a powerful figure in the process? Or did you learn the frightening plans of a powerful foe? I feel like the most appropriate one would probably be we discover a secret hidden by a powerful figure. That would be narratively appropriate, but I want to do the fun one. Because <laughs> I feel like coming from doing something fun and being like, oh man, he like got super mad at us, man. And then going to, oh, stuff went down while we were gone. So maybe you weren't on a mission, maybe you were on vacation. <laughs> maybe, or we did something fun trying to get some information. It could be both. I mean, you yeah. are definitely a very different character than I am. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to propose. You were doing something fun, but you drew the ire of a powerful figure when you discovered a secret that was hidden by that powerful figure. Mm-hmm. Look at that. I love that. So the question is, who is this powerful figure and what secret did you discover? Maybe we discovered the Dai Li 
in the Earth Kingdom. We were hanging out near Lake Laogai, and we discovered a secret. So the Dai Li, as an organization, was established by Kiyoshi to keep peace within Bossing Sei. And this is something that Kiyoshi feels a lot of conflict about. You know, she established the Kiyoshi Warriors, and they're a very noble and honorable organization. But she looks at the Dai Li and saw some of the corruption that was happening. But initially, they were a very honorable organization. So maybe you're discovering the beginning of corruption within the Dai Li. I like that, yeah. I so do like that. If we are seeing, maybe even if it's just some construction around Lake Laogai. So yeah, you discovered the Dai Li is beginning to maybe turn away from their initial altruistic way of doing things, getting into some more shady kind of stuff. And it's probably helpful that, you know, Kiyoshi's long gone. There's a whole avatar between her and the current one. How old did Roku get? Yeah, Roku lived to be 70 years old. Okay, so it's we're about 80 years after Kiyoshi. Yeah, 80 years after Kiyoshi died. Which, Kiyoshi, if you want to talk about somebody who lived to be really old, Kiyoshi was 230 when she died. Whoa. Okay, to say I'm in love with her is such an understatement. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and if you want to find some information about how Kiyoshi ended up being 230 years old, go read the Kiyoshi novels by FCE. It gets into that a little bit. But yeah, so in any case, it's been a long, long time since Kiyoshi established the Dai Li in the first place. So that's a lot of time for corruption to start fomenting within the organization. Wait, your character's like 80. So you would have been like alive, possibly around when she died. I'm 70 plus. Um, so I would have been alive, but probably don't have any memory of her. No, absolutely no memories whatsoever, especially because you're old now. But <laughs> yeah, so I will, I will have been alive during three avatar cycles. Wow, you're like a millennial. <laughs> three once-in-a-lifetime experiences. <laughs> mm -hmm. So moving on to Act 2, I think we've already answered the question of what happened during Act 2 in that one of the options is we discovered a terrible truth about a location or powerful figure, that terrible truth being that the Dai Li is beginning to become corrupt. And then moving on to Act 3, here are the options that we're looking at. We fought and barely defeated a powerful foe, we narrowly escaped capture by a powerful foe, we saved or rescued an ally from a powerful figure, or we were saved from a powerful foe by an ally to their own detriment. I was thinking narrowly escaped capture or the last one of we were saved by an ally because, I mean, the gang already had a hard time, like, escaping them, and we're just two people. I have a similar thought. Um, Ned, based off of my backstory, do you think a rogue member of my old crew may have been near enough by to lend us a hand? Yeah, so Jetsun being the pillar, you were previously a member of a squad that you were the leader of. And so I think we're going to create a new ally here for us, along with the people already at the library. You had a friend from your old crew who came to Wanchi Tong's library with you. You were working together. You went out on this mission. And when you discovered this corruption, you two were able to escape, but only because your friend gave himself up to be captured. I like that, yeah. I think having one of them come with me would be difficult for me, but I think it'd be good as well. So let me pull up here really quick. How about Lob Sang? Yeah, this is your friend, your coworker, your fellow knowledge seeker who has been captured by the Dai Li. So we come back after having a fun lake day. I'm airbending around the lake and you're waterbending around the lake. You are on your glider. 
I'm attached to it by a string and I'm just standing on the water and <laughs> it's like water skiing. Absolutely. I'm feeling I'm feeling left out. I didn't get invited to this lake party. Well, you decided to be a criminal. <laughs> yeah, you were busy doing all kinds of unethical stuff. It's true. I like it. Yeah, and then Loeb Seng will have sacrificed himself to let us get away and get back to the library. So Loeb Seng was a previous third member of your Knowledge Seeker group from the library who is no longer. See. Did Loeb Seng just die? It's kind of unclear. All right, so this gives us now two really big threads that we can follow. One, some information was stolen, and two, one of your friends was stolen. It also does open up a position for me to slip into. Oh, unintentional or intentional? It was intentional. Oh. (laughs) That was what popped into my head. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Oh, serendipity. No, it's just Christian smart. Oh, cool. (laughs) So that is our inciting incident. And you guys are coming back from vacation. You've just lost your friend. And what do you find? We've got a prisoner who is our only lead to figuring out what happened to these lost scrolls. Wow, this is a tangled web already. I love it. (laughs) Good thing we're improvising this and playing to find out what happens, because holy cow, I don't want to have to plan all this out right now. (laughs) Now, the only final thing we need to fill out is within each playbook, you have a connections section that gives you a little prompt. Uh, I'll just use an example from Amar's playbook, because that's the one I'm looking at right now. Blank is way too uptight, too trapped in themselves, and they need to break some rules. And so then he's going to get to choose either Jetsun or Zaya to go into that blank. And we're just going to go around the entire group and fill all these in. So, I mean, we're already on Amar's playbook. Let's start with you. Who do you think is way too uptight and needs to break some rules? I mean, out of the two of them, absolutely, Jetsun is way too uptight. He needs to chill. He needs to break some rules. And the other one, next one would be blank, is amazing, and I hope they like me. Maybe they're worth playing it straight. So I guess that would have to be Zaya. I am amazing. I feel like that fits pretty well. If there's anybody that Amar's going to vibe with a little bit more, it's going to be the young, carefree, free spirit over here rather than old Mr. Uptight over here. Exactly. All right, let's go over to Jetsun then. Let's start with your first one. Blank doesn't really respect my accomplishments. They probably need a lesson or two. Well, I feel like this new spitfire who's been ransacking the library is not going to respect my personal respect for authority and rules and, (laughs) you know, rigid structure. Uh, So he probably needs a lesson or two. So that's going to be Amar. Nice. And then the second one, blank seems like they would have been a good candidate to be part of my squad. You'll look after them. Um, My squad was a lot younger than me. And while Amar is younger, Zaya has more of that thirst for knowledge. So she's definitely someone who I could see would have joined my crew back in the day. Very good. And then finally, we come around to Zaya. First one, I recognize some of the pain I have felt inside of blank. I'm going to try to help them. This one's hard because I would choose both of them because I think all characters come with pain and baggage. Um, 
But with Jitsun, I think I can tell, you know, he's he follows the rules. He's always like, oh, do a good job. Oh, I'm old. <laughs> but I can tell that there is a lot of stuff going on behind that and behind the reasons why he's such a stickler on the rules and being focused all the time. And I can tell there's some pain behind that. The other one is blank frustrates me so much when they act without thinking about the consequences. Um, so obviously it's Amar because he didn't think about the consequences of stealing stuff from the library because you lost your memory. Um, that's a consequence. And because you're in jail, it's another consequence. And because now you have to be my friend. So another consequence. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I just want to seed a little bit of intrigue. Me knowing some of the details about Jetsun's history. Yeah, you would definitely recognize some pain inside of him. <gasps> you have pain, my boy. My boy, I'm 50 years older than you. It's okay, I call my sister mom, so. <laughs> Your 18-year-old sister. <laughs> she is 17. Child. <laughs> yes, sorry, Madison, you're a child. All right, so we know who our characters are, kind of where they come from, what they're like. We know how they relate to each other. And we know how they all ended up in this situation. So I think that's a pretty good place for us to wrap up our session zero here. And the next time you hear from us, we're going to see these characters in action at Wanshi Tong's library. Heck yes. I am so very excited. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Have any of us mentioned yet that we're excited for this campaign? Just a little bit. Just a normal amount of excitement. Well, thank you all for listening to this very special Session Zero episode of ImpTab Avatar, and we'll be back with more adventures in the world of The 10,000 Things. If you want more, go ahead and subscribe, maybe even give us a review. We would be as happy as a waterbender who is water skiing behind an airbender if you would give us a positive review on the podcatcher of your choice. It's pretty happy, yeah. (laughs) We're also all over social media at Improv Tabletop. So if you'd like to connect with us and get information about what we're doing with the podcast, you can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Maybe more in the future, we'll see. We're going to do a quick round of plugs now. We've mentioned a couple times that we also do improvised campaigns using the Fate Accelerated tabletop system. We run through those in four episode arcs. They are lots of fun. They widely vary from doing the Great Bridge Baking Show in Jurassic Park to our most recent one where we're all Pokemon, but we're also the Merry Men. It's pretty great. So we would encourage you to stick around for those and to experience that really fun RPG system as well. I really enjoy Fate Accelerated. Uh, we also have a sister podcast, I Cast Fireball, which is a D&D 5e actual play. So if you want to get in on that 5e action, you can go check that out. I'm a player in that campaign. Caleb is a guest player in that campaign. That's right. So go check that one out as well. And the last thing that I would like to plug for this episode is playing games with your friends because we live in a often dark and dreary world. And I've found that playing games like this is a great way to get out some of your frustrations with what's going on around you, but also to just enjoy good times with people that you love and to learn a little bit more about what it means to be a human going through difficult things in a safe and enjoyable way. 
So if you haven't tried out a tabletop RPG yet, you can get the quick start for Avatar Legends currently on Magpie Games' website. You can try Fate Accelerated. You can try Dungeons & Dragons. There's a bunch of great ones out there. But for now, we're focusing on Avatar. And thank you all for joining us here in the world of ImpTab Avatar 10,000 Things. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by... Caleb Anderton playing Amar Ukami. McKenna Steele playing Zaya. And Christian playing Jetsoon of the Library. Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next time on ImpTab Avatar.